Hello, listeners, and welcome to Legends in Review, an unaffiliated and unofficial podcast reviewing DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I am Rachel, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm your host, Ari, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And this week, we will be discussing the season finale episode, and only the season finale episode, episode 217, Ninja Shadow Clone Finale No Jutsu. Oh, God. Oh, Christ. Okay. Um, we're really just going to talk about this episode on its own merits because we're going to cover how it fits with the rest of the, sh- the narrative in the retrospective. And I will say, after the clusterfuck of the last two episodes this was like a return to form like was it was it absolutely still a clusterfuck yes but like an endearing one not one where i was like having a panic attack on the couch i didn't feel personally traumatized by this episode the bar was very 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 low so low and i want to emphasize that they did not you know jump over the bar I think they saw the bar and went, oh, a bar, and, like, gently stepped over it. Yeah, it was a very delicate step over. But, you know, I mean, again, my standards for this episode were, will I be able to watch it without having a meltdown? And the answer, shockingly enough, was, like, mostly. Like, it, you know, my standards for this going in were very low, I admit. But it was very, as an episode on its own, it was a return. The egg is on my face, Phil. Well, no, I mean, there were still some flaws and problems with it, but it returned to what makes Legends really charming, which is the screwball comedy of a bunch of assholes who have no business meddling in the affairs of time continue to do exactly that poorly. And, you know, I will say, like, it was a fun episode. There were points that I legitimately, like, really enjoyed, and... It was a good episode, I could tell, because one of my roommates came in and sat next to me to watch it casually for the last half hour of it or so, and I was petrified with a secondhand embarrassment of, I can't believe that you have to see me watching this, because I know you are going to think less of me as a human being now that you know I watch a show this stupid. But, keyword there is stupid, not offensive on every level known to man. You know, we all watch stupid things. Oh, God, yeah. TV in and of itself is a stupid medium. And in fact, Ari, do you know the one thing I learned this week? Uh, licking doorknobs is illegal on other planets. Is that a reference? Yes. Okay. I learned some people are still very protective of Glee. Oh, God. And that's all I'm going to say about that. You know what I'm talking about. Oh god, I don't understand it. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna pretend to understand or care because Glee was a nightmare. Um and So if I had to rate this Legends episode compared like, to an episode of Glee, above and beyond. Oh god, yeah. But that again, like that's not even a bar. That is like that is like can you jump over a hole in the ground? Like Glee Glee is not a, a, a measure I of anything. I will say at this Legends episode, you know, I think 215 was started at the bottom, 216 was kept digging, and then 217 <laughs> was realized you were digging and were like, maybe we should stop digging. It was more like started from the bottom, now we have returned to an equilibrium where we <laughs> have, we have returned to mostly the bottom. 
<laughs> now we are standing on the ground, but we're not really clearing any new bars of storytelling here. Um, I will say, like, here's the thing that didn't make any damn sense about a lot of this episode, which was... All. Yeah. I mean, again, all. But they blew this plot line like they had no clue what they were doing but like the also the show didn't try to present it like they did like when they were messing up with meeting their past selves and screwing all that up like the show wasn't still trying to paint it as them being hyper competent like one of the things i do like about the legends as a team more so than other dc tv shows is they're allowed to make mistakes in a way that, like, Barry and Oliver and Kara are not. Like, they are allowed to be the protagonists of the show and still F up tremendously all the time forever. Constantly. Um, constantly. And... You know what Scooby-Doo? Oh, When geez. Fred and Velma always set, like, a really elaborate trap, and the trap never works because Scooby and Shaggy fuck it up, but what works <laughs> is Scooby and Shaggy fucking it up in the end? That, that's literally Legends of that Tomorrow. That is Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, like, not even not even as a joke. Like, it's like, do you want 30 minutes of what was usually a minute or so of a Scooby-Doo episode? Good news, we have, we have that. It's called Legends of Tomorrow. Like, this is a show that, you know, it's... It, the when way did they it, go to a hay bale factory or an abandoned <laughs> mill? Fuck. Like, um, I will say, a lot of shows, like, situational serial shows tend to want to return to an equilibrium at the end of the episode because they are monster of the week or situation of the week type shows. And, you know, Legends has some elements of a serialized drama, but not that many. So what this show needs to do to return to an equilibrium is come in screwed up, sort of fix the screw up, realize the screw up made something else actually worse. Then they fix that second problem that they did by trying to fix their first screw up and return to like a pseudo equilibrium. It, it makes, you know what it actually reminds me of the Jimmy Neutron show. Like back when the, back when that was a, that, TV is, an, that is a very, yeah, it's literally, it's literally the Jimmy Neutron thing where Jimmy would see a problem, would try to fix it with some sort of gadgets or technology or something. The gadgets or technology would go horribly wrong. He would have to make something else to fix the problem that he caused. And everyone would be like, wow, thanks for saving the day. And I'm like, none of this would have happened if he just hadn't gotten involved in the first place. And that's Legends of Tomorrow. Like, none of this would have happened if you had just gone to see Jesus. Like, honestly, it... I will say, you know, I think to a certain extent they are, when they are aware of that, when they write the team acting and behaving and doing things that way, it can be really endearing and funny um, when they present the team as flawed. But, you know, the past couple of episodes have been too heavy on other things that are terrible and actively punishing the team for the, the flaws that they have. Um, so that was really difficult, but this, this, this episode, there was less of that, less punishing the team for their mistakes. Um, I think ultimately what I appreciated as a conclusion to the season is that it means that all of this is over. Like I didn't, I don't think it set up anything really good in the end, which I think is fair because a couple days prior to the finale airing, um, that Mark Guggenheim admitted in an interview that he's like, oh, we don't know where we're going plot wise for the next season. And I'm like, no, that's Mark said, we don't have a plot set up. We have a concept. 
That's and in fact, fun. let me tell you what they did at the end of last season and get to our first point of the night about this finale, which is, again, something I think we might go over in more detail in the recap. But this season, we end with, we're in Los Angeles and there are dinosaurs. Last season, we end with, our man tells you not to get on that wave rider, and it is never brought up again. I want to explain something. Yesterday, the reason we don't have this recording out a little earlier is because yesterday I was deathly ill. And when I was trying to get over that illness, Rachel and I were discussing the hour man nightmare. And I was literally sitting there thinking, I'm going to throw up again. I think if I have to think about this too hard, my body is also, going to from this try point to forward, we'll be referring to our man exclusively as Amaya's first white boyfriend. Yeah, sure. I don't even remember what he... If you held a gun to my head and told me to describe his facial features, I would be dead. You would just have to kill me. <laughs> I don't remember what he looked like. I don't remember his purpose. I don't think the show remembers his purpose. I don't feel obligated to care. That, that went that that, out so fast. I do want to I do want to say some of that. I was kind of wondering, actually, in this finale, and like here, here we're bringing it back to be finale specific, yeah. I was kind of wondering if he would show up again. Because yeah. the hour man in the Justice Society episode is like, that's not me. I never met these people in my life. And then he dies, and it's never brought up again. So I was kind uh -huh. of like, maybe there's a shapeshifter pretending to be yeah, our maybe man. Yeah, maybe it wasn't actually And we're going to see man. him again at this finale. But that does um, not seem to be One of the dinosaurs was our man. <laughs> I pull I mean, up, he pulls off his mask, and I was our <laughs> man the entire time. Like, I just, again, like, I like, it says a lot to me that, Mark Guggenheim is confident admitting, oh, we don't have a plot for this the next season. Like, yeah, fuck it, you know? He only writes the worst episodes of the season. He literally only wrote if the worst episodes. Look at the bad episodes of this, you know, um, they are the all two really racist episodes last week he was a part of. Like, you can literally set your watch to Legends having a bad episode if Mark writes it. Yeah. So here's hoping that season three, uh, they lock him in a closet and they don't let him write anymore. Or yeah, like I'll maybe he'd do it, Phil. I will. I will hold. The, I, will, I will put the chair in front of the door. But it Phil, is. I have five dollars. <laughs> but it is something where I think what I'm frustrated with in terms of this finale is they picked the weirdest ways to kind of try to return to an equilibrium. Like this finale was super unsatisfying in terms of a resolution to this season because this season has been chaotic and just disjointed so i get that it's hard to kind of try to bring all that together you but know one, when you have it feels like they didn't even box, try well because like it feels like they didn't even try like a lot of if there was a plot line established before doom world it wasn't getting resolved in this finale nothing we got established before doom world any sort of plot line any sort of character development any sort of anything that was not established within the last three episodes none of it was touched on referenced resolved forget it the only thing that was resolved and i will say in their defense Ari, would you say forget it or would you say perhaps i forget about it i Shut up. I, <laughs> I I will say in their defense, I am very happy with how they resolved Nate and Amaya because I, there were it definitely was ways. so cute. I mean, it was like, legitimately cute. No, they had it the best. Cute. Poor Mari is going to end up having Amaya's white boyfriend number whatever he is as uh -huh. her as her grandfather. And like, 
That's so unfortunate. As I'm far sorry. as embarrassing relatives go, Nate does they... seem like he would be one of the more embarrassing ones. Oh God! Oh Christ! Absolutely, he—he's gonna be an embarrassing dad. Like he's gonna be a nightmare. Well, he's her granddad, so that's three times that's... the embarrassment. Oh my God! Oh God! He's gonna have all of those awful like shirts you get from Walmart that like have like my pop up as the best pop up kind of stuff on them. World's oh. okayest grandpa. <laughs> oh Christ! It's gonna be a disaster, is what we're saying. But I liked that they resolved that in a way where Amaya has not had a lot of plot this season, and we as we have established. But I do like that she was like, "Screw Come that!" Through season three, fingers crossed. She said, after, "With very little hope." Very little hope. But I do appreciate that after her getting, I really thought they were gonna keep her dead, or they were gonna do some weird bittersweet thing where, like, I don't know. She, I thought they were gonna fuck this up, and they didn't. They brought Amaya back. She's fine. She doesn't seem to have any ill side effects. Knock on wood from having died in the Doom World timeline because they Ari all. says knock on died. wood. I honestly think they're gonna forget. Yeah. That that fair. even happened to her. So. Yeah. You know, just I just think, dust her I off. I think she's okay. Dust her off. Um, run it under a little water. She's fine. Yeah, no, I do think she's fine. I don't think they're going to try to, you know, be like, oh, well, she's actually fading from existence because something, something, whatever. Well, because like, then I don't that would care. happen to all of them. Yeah, I don't think they care enough. Do you want to um, talk about watching the team die in various ways? Here, I'll tell you this. I didn't watch. Like, I legitimately went, looked at my phone, hardcore, did not pay attention to the screen because going into this, I was very afraid we were going to lose someone who was important to me. Um, I was very, any of the team, if, if any of the team had died for real, I would have been very, very upset by it, like, on a really deep emotional level. Um, I tend to get very attached to the characters of my favorite TV shows, so I was scared you know, I don't think our in. listeners have been able to pick that up. Shut up. <laughs> I, I get very attached, so I was really afraid that this was going to go poorly, and the fact that it was just the alternate universe versions of them dying was kind of a relief just because I'm like, well, at least no one's dying for real, but it still would have been very difficult to watch. Like knowing they were all going to make it out. Okay. In the end helped, but I had to avoid watching it because from what I did see when I glanced up, it was unnecessarily brutal. Like I don't like Mark Guggenheim seems to do this thing where he revels in very violent, nasty, character deaths like this is something i think we've seen enough across episodes he writes and shows he writes and characters he gets to kill off where he kills them off in a way that is unreal like this isn't the kind of universe we're the not kind of actually dc the dc universe and the mortal combat universe are the same universe technically because it's not DC the versus DC the mortal combat universe because like Eivor not- did take ray's heart out and i'm like but that's what I mean. This isn't like this is the CW DC TV universe is not really a brutal. It's a very bloodless kind of comic book series, which is fine. I'm okay with that. I like that's the thing, and this is what bugs me sometimes. Is it gets like you've had in the past couple episodes, like Felicity getting her neck snapped yeah, like that. That was incredibly. Like, that was also um, Mark. Then killed Time Remnant Mick. Also really brutal. Um, Jack's getting, someone got arrows in their back. Like, very nasty. And, like, again, this is the kind of series where nothing similar to that happens. People usually tend to get hurt in ways that are, like, dramatic, not traumatic. Like, yeah, you like don't... Jack's got radiation poisoning, but, like, magic time radiation magic, poisoning. Yeah, and, like, it made him look a little older for a little bit. No one really gets serious life threatening. Which also sounds like a thing that would happen in Fallout. Yeah. The injuries in these in these shows tend to be very fantastic. Like, Barry gets temporarily blinded. 
for an episode, and it's about as ableist as you can imagine. They make a blind um, date joke. Uh-huh. That was the only reason they did it, so they could do that pun, and I hate you guys. Um, they do injuries that tend to be more fantastic. Uh, I think the only injury I can remember being really very specifically brutal on The Flash was Hartley, it, when he, like, he was, like, shredding Barry's insides, technically, but they didn't show anything. Like, the worst you get is, like, I think he made a thrown up a little blood but even when Eobard goes through Cisco's chest like you don't see like you do in this episode him yank his heart out and hold it like there's none of that Kali Ma bullshit it's just kind of like you know it happened and this is a common thread in episodes Mark Guggenheim writes specifically like I'm calling him out I know it's him because it happens in every episode of something he writes I felt like this was really brutal and unnecessary. I get that they had to die, but it felt like torture porn. And this isn't the kind of series, mm -hmm. this isn't the kind of universe where that's necessary or, or good. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. need to see that. Like, there was a reason I avoided watching it. It made me deeply uncomfortable to have to sit there and watch, like, even briefly. Like, and he does it in any episode he can write. Like, he will, he likes violence. He likes writing torture scenes. He likes making people uncomfortable in that way. And that makes me really uncomfortable as a viewer. Like, I just don't think it's acceptable to pull that out of nowhere because none of these episodes, none of these series really are the kind of shows where you can get away with that. Well, like, they're I've watched more Arrow like than that. you have. Well, Arrow is different. That's his thing. My biggest regret. Arrow yeah. is his thing, and the more you're talking about that, the more I'm thinking about Arrow and this season of Arrow. I'm thinking about how Sarah died. I'm thinking about how Oliver constantly gets injured and is covered in scars. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. He is torture porn Guggenheim. He likes he to write violent thinks, stories. But you know what else I think it is? Because I think this is something you could even call symptomatic of The Walking Dead or mm -hmm. parts of the Game of Thrones series. It's over-the-top violence in place of actual decent writing. You would rather shock people than create an entertaining narrative well because if you create that sort of reaction in people where they're like oh this made me really upset and uncomfortable mm -hmm. they're thinking about it still so in their minds he's probably like if i write something really violent that'll shock people and keep them talking about the show but eventually you get numb to it and then you have viewers like me i understand i'm a little more sensitive to this stuff than the average viewer like that's fine i know that about myself i understand that that's where i'm coming from but i think even the average viewer after a certain amount of this shit is like, I'm really tired of seeing characters being brutally murdered. And really, it's not upsetting me to see him get tortured anymore because he's just going to get tortured again next week. And that's, I think, part of the reason why Arrow's ratings are tanking because we've hit a point where it's not really shocking to have people brutally killing and then being killed because that's all Mark Guggenheim seems to want to write. And it's yeah. really uncomfortable. That was definitely a low point in this episode where those random moments of like very brutal like when Eobard dies quote unquote it's way more brutal than the hand through the chest stuff we've seen before with uh Cisco and even with our man that time way back in the earlier part of the season like it's nasty he dissolves very slowly it's uncomfortable it's great like I didn't enjoy looking at it at all it was really bad like it's not even like it's happening to a sympathetic character, but it's just still very visceral in a way where I'm like, this is not something this kind of dumb, silly show should be doing. Like, it again, like it just it, it, they cannot seem to. Poor and this is Mark choice. 
it's a poor narrative choice because it creates the kind of tone. Like they were like, oh, this is our Back to the Future 2 episode kind of. I'm like, Back to the Future 2 is a comedy. You guys remember that, right? So to have that little quirky reference to, oh, our past selves are meeting our other selves or whatever, and then have that joke, plot, setup, whatever, resolved with the brutal murder of other alternate universe versions of the characters we know and love being murdered was very... Yeah, it's kind of like, why did we have to watch them get murdered? Why did you have this desire to kill them in the first yeah, place? Yeah, it felt like, it really felt like some sort of personal vendetta or something on Guggenheim's part, which it, I wouldn't be surprised by. It felt personal and nasty, and that's something Ari and I have said, is a lot of the time the writing of the show can be stupid, but it doesn't feel personal or cruel. And it never feels... Yeah. This felt very personal and very cruel to the point where I'm like, okay, Mark, what are you mad about now? What yeah, kind of temper felt, tantrum are you throwing now? It felt very unnecessarily gruesome in a way where I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Like, it was really upsetting. And it didn't really have a good payoff. Like, you could have very easily had, like, the alternate universe versions, like, fade away and say, like, their goodbyes to their other selves. Like, in a, like there were other ways to get rid of the alternate universe versions of themselves without being brutally murdered. And, you know, it just, it wasn't very satisfying. Like, there like, was no real resolution I literally just came up with an idea there. and how fun it could be. I just came up with a fun idea. Okay. They could have literally, like, everybody, because they're now meeting their past selves and their past selves have seen them, everybody uh -huh. starts fading. And, like, they start uh -huh. fading at really inconvenient times. So you kind of have to be making up for the slack of people fading out at the yeah. most inconvenient times possible. Yeah, there are other ways to have done Ooh, this plot I line. solved it. That'll be $15. Yeah, like, there were absolutely better ways to do this plot line. And also, again, if we're talking about this finale simply as a resolution to this season... It was really stupid. Yeah. There simply wasn't a resolution to a lot of stuff that happened this season, but I would like to talk about Rip because I think that was, yeah. out of all the things that they tried to address that they set up prior to Doom World, I, they have said that Rip is coming back for season three, and I believe that, um, if only because Arthur Darville is one of the be best actors on the show, but it feels very frustrating to go through this again because the only solid arc of this season, the only well-plotted, well-paced, solid tone, good structure, good character development, the only thing that, that this, the only time that happened this season was with Rip's narrative arc and now he's leaving again. Not and only it was it Rip's so frustrating. Not only was it Rip's narrative arc, he was only there for half a season. He did he not even get, his narrative arc didn't even get the full order of episodes. No, and, like, that's the thing. It's, like, they still did a very good job with what they had. I'm not I, – I will still say it's my favorite part of the season. But the fact that he left again and also went – while leaving implied a lot of things still are not resolved in his narrative, which is really frustrating to me because from what he said to Sarah, he's like, you guys don't need me. I'm a burden. I don't know what my place in the world is anymore, and I have to leave because I don't know who I am anymore. That's really fucking stupid because, number one, we've established that this ship, this this whole role of being a Time Master is something that Rip has been conscripted into since, like, toddler age. Like, this is something he was raised his entire life under the presumption well, that he was going to... 10. 10-ish. So, like, Pokemon trainer shit. Like, yeah. he yes, this was is his told... Pokemon trainer. 
at, and like when you're 10, if someone shows up to you when you're 10 years old and says, hey, kid, you want to grow up and be like a, a, a time traveling space cowboy? You're going to be like, oh, boy, do I? Because that sounds amazing. Like this is what he trained his whole life to be able to do. And so to have this not be something he's willing to fight for is so ridiculous, especially since we've also established that he loves Gideon, would not want to leave Gideon, thinks of Gideon as incredibly important to him, yes. and is also just willing to live, leave the ship with Sarah for... I, I somehow assume that when he tried to get on the dropship, Gideon literally just locked him in there and said, oh no, you don't get to leave me again. Nope, nope. You son but of a it's, bitch. It's, it's very frustrating to see him leave without having resolved any of this because we didn't have him for a lot of the season and we spent a decent chunk of the season and the only decent chunk of the season getting him back, getting his memories back, getting him unbrainwashed, dealing with evil rip. And we haven't really dealt with the fallout of that in any meaningful way because they just skipped right into Doom World. And Jesus Christ, like there was no fair the resolution of was character. very, 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 very like worse than the flash this season and that's saying something like it is a problem that rip the solution to rip's plot line for them seems to be oh let's have him leave again i know he's coming back stop fucking doing this though because it's incredibly annoying for us to get really attached to his plot line and for you fuckers to pull us away at the last minute and be like oh he's leaving it no he's staying right where he fucking is i'm chaining uh, him to the I, goddamn <laughs> ship and like, like I'm it's kind of mad. interesting because I'm like, okay, I guess he went off to live with Carter and Kendra. He's going well, to have to raise their baby. You know, I'm hoping they only have him away for an episode or two this yeah. time and not half the fucking season. But yeah. it really does frustrate me that this, they, they are very like bait and switch with his narrative a lot. And that's, that's a good way to describe it. Not fair. Or really, it doesn't make any sense because they still market him as kind of the quote unquote, white male lead of the show when they're not marketing Ray as that. And it's very weird that the guy who is hyped up as the protagonist and the guy who also is the linchpin of the whole series, like the whole reason this started is because Rip brought them together. So to have Rip be like, oh, well, the team doesn't need me anymore. It's is really doesn't make any sense. And it's just it's just, it's so weird. Everything about it is just so bizarre and and I don't understand why they feel the need to keep kicking him off the team and making him go somewhere else and do something else because it doesn't like, what are you doing? Especially when they've admitted they don't have a plot. So like, why are you getting rid of the only person aside from Mick? And even then Mick is not quite in the best state of mind to really be running the team on time travel affairs like rip still knows a lot of things about time travel and the practice of meddling in time and doing things as a time master that no one else on the team has any access to i don't i don't think he understands that though like when he's like oh sarah you can do a better job of this than i can i'm like no she can't she was only doing this with the assumption that you were going to come back and help her idiot yeah. like Sarah doesn't know about not meddling in the time stream. Sarah isn't very good at this. I would kind of love in season three to see a bit more Sarah being, knowing now that Rip did not leave this time to protect them and chose to sort of take a sabbatical, uh -huh. to see her get more frustrated as the season sort of goes on. And her being like, wow, sure could use an extra pair of fucking hands. I would like to see that too. Like her being mad at him. Like you, she could forgive him, I think, when she realized the first time around that he left to protect the spear and to deal with the JSA. But I would like to see her get mad at him because she's like, Hey asshole, 
You're not even doing anything important. You're just sitting in your mom's house and crying. Could you come back? I could use some, <laughs> like, you I could use an cry on the ship. Yeah, like, it's very, I would like to see her get frustrated because I think part of the reason she's held up so well the past few, um, the, this whole season, basically, is because, number one, I don't think she ever expected this to be permanent. Um, number two, because she was like, someone has to step up and be in charge. And for some reason, that's me. And that's fine. I can handle it. I'm going to do this because Rip's gone or later on Rip's in a bad place. So I have to take care of the family. I have to take care of the team. But now that she knows that Rip is fine, that Rip has all his memories, there's nothing wrong with him. And he's just dicking off because he doesn't want to deal with his emotions. I want her to be a little more upset, a little more frustrated. I want her to fuck up and make bad calls because she doesn't understand like a lot of stuff about meddling in time or just running. Like there has to be more to piloting a time ship than screwing around causing aberrations. And the fact that the show can't seem to establish that is another really frustrating part of why they're acting like Rip has nothing more to teach her quote unquote. Like what? Like, and like that what just, is this? A Kung Fu movie? Yeah, it really does. Life like, is a learning experience. Uh, assholes. It doesn't make any sense. Like it, Nothing about what he said to her makes sense unless you accept that he was only saying it to try to give himself an easier out, which is fair, but I don't know if they're going to choose to treat it that way or not. Like, I, I can never tell with the show if things are going to be reestablished or whatever. Um, and it it baffles the hell out of me. Like, I don't know. That's, the, that's another thing about the show that is that is just a very weird thing to contend with. Which is, I never know if something is going to be important or not. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, will this come up later? This seems like an interesting setup for something later. And then it just will never be mentioned again. And they do that with astounding frequency, especially this season. And that, that was very frustrating. Like, the finale was a good return to form. But in terms of how a finale should work, which is finishing up plot lines from the season that you just had while setting up plot lines for the next season... It failed on a lot of levels. Yes. Would you like Which to I talk about Len and Mick? Okay. I want to be brief. Um, yeah. Now, I'm grateful Mick didn't die. I'm also very grateful. Yeah, a lot of people thought Dominic was going to leave. I'm really, really glad he didn't. I also think he really likes his cast, and he really gets along really well with the castmates, and so I'm happy he gets to stay and hang out with them. And I'm yeah. happy Mick is still around. I'm happy I, if Mick you is told me two years ago, oh, you're going to love and protect Mick Rory, I'd be like, who? What? Why? I mean, I, you know, it's very interesting to me because, like, I was really invested. That, that was the one good thing, I think, about the season in the long run, um, which they still didn't resolve in the finale very well, which was his development and character growth because he's still not a quote-unquote good guy, but he's healed and sort of processing his trauma in a way that feels very realistic and super endearing and engaging. Um, as someone who is also mentally ill, I like that he's never really obligated to be super heroic. Um, I like that he can still kind of fuck up and make bad decisions and be an asshole, um, but still be acknowledged as getting better that they don't say, Oh, well, because he's not perfect, he's worthless. They acknowledge that he started from a very bad place, so him getting better at all is an improvement and an achievement, and I like that. That's very rare. However, 
Um, to not extend that same courtesy to Len is really stupid. I think, I do hope, yeah. think, whatever, that the Flash, that Barry is going to do something else stupid to the timeline and bring Len back because that's something Barry would do. Like, Barry and Len in the Flash yes. do have that kind of relationship where I think once Barry realizes that Len is dead, because he's been a little preoccupied with Iris dying so he hasn't really had the time to look into Len but I think he would absolutely try to bring Len back and save Len and I think they're saving it for the Flash because you know as frustrating as it is as someone who really fell in love with Len's development on Legends he is still technically like the Flash's character quote unquote yes, so if they are going to bring Len back it's going to be through the Flash yeah sorry Um, you know it was very interesting because I think we were talking about how you know Len was handled very very well for longer and then we saw him in these two episodes and they really just needed a villain and they didn't even think about it yeah and quite frankly like Ari said it is very very likely that Greg Berlanti or someone said um Captain Cold is our thing and that's Barry's thing because I guess Barry is more important to Len than Mick is like oh that makes me real mad but it very much smacked of Legends just needed a villain and sort of everyone on the team knows that's not Len and Mix tells him you're going to be a good person and everyone on the team still believes that the Len that they all knew is Len. I mean, I have a harder time. I have a harder time than you establishing the idea of like not real Len versus real Len, but that's more the show's problem. Um, I don't think they do a good enough job establishing that this is, this is a different Len basically, because even in the context of being like a pre legends Len, this does not feel like Flash Len. Like Flash yes. Len no, before Legends not. still had a sense of humor, cared about Len, uh, cared about Lisa, cared about Mick, you know, was had a code, was an honorable thief type. Like he this felt like they wanted a villain with connection to the cast in some way because all of the other villains they had had really only had like brief connections to anyone on the team there was nothing really tied i had no idea what the connotations of bringing back len as a villain meant in that yeah especially in that very i don't even think they understood him as a villain when he was a villain yeah no i mean again the led the the villain len we see in these past two episodes is very one note and weird it seems like the only thing he talks about is the idea of robbing banks and being a jerk to mick which is not even like Flash Len? Like, it really does feel like they just wanted someone who could function as a villain with a capital V and had a connection to the team, but didn't think about the logistics of Len pre-Legends as, like, there just doesn't seem to have been a lot of thought in bringing Len back and that's really that's really not fair to Wentworth as an actor, no, to Len not. as a character, yeah. to us as viewers who got invested in Len's narrative arc over a season, um, everything about that was really dumb and badly handled, and they dropped the ball on it completely, which is frustrating and because it's literally feel bad. You should feel bad. This is the only plot line they managed to carry over from season one, and they fucked it up tremendously. Like you managed to drop every other thing you set up in season one. You brought this one thing back, and you fucked it. So like, you know what? Oh season three, don't God. bring a single thing back. It's all new. Just don't. Just just hit the reset button. I don't care anymore. God damn it. As an episode in terms of return to form, you know, final verdict, I think this was a good return to form in terms of tone, in terms of team. Everything else was a disaster. And that's the legends we know and love, at the very least. 
yeah, so that's something. I think I think I'll be interested to see where season three goes. I'm really hoping they just get Mark Guggenheim away from it as much as possible because every time he comes on this show, every time he puts his grubby little hands on it in any they way, are she- grubby. they are grubby, just permanently covered in like a layer of grime. Ugh. But ugh. but he finds some way to fuck something up about the show that I really enjoy or appreciate. So I would appreciate if he just never fucking came back. I'm sure I will have to tolerate his presence for an episode or two, but let's not let let's not let him handle anything important next season. If or Mark Guggenheim writes an episode, I want Mick, Jax, and Amaya to just be like, "Oh, look at our watch," and just leave the episode just, and just come leave. back in the next one. Yeah. Um, I actually think just sort of want to talk about where I was with the start of the season versus where I was in the finale, like opinions okay, that changed. All right, I'm listening. Like how I feel because okay. you know I was, was thinking especially about how like. Nate, when we first met him, I was like, oh, who is this white boy? Oh, God, yeah. We did not like him. Is he still that? In a way, yes, but he's also very genuine and sweet. And I will say this about Nick Zano. He has gotten way more handsome as he's gotten older. Like, his jaw has sharpened. Like, his nose is more prominent. So, like, that I think is in his favor, and I'm looking forward to seeing him a little, he'll be a few months older when the next season starts. It's by the month. His handsomeness. <laughs> okay, I, I, I actually, now that you bring it up, yeah, like the, the two people who we got introduced to in this season, um, in terms of how this finale resolved their character arcs, um, Amaya got some good stuff in. Like, it was very last minute and very rushed, but I think she did manage to get a few good things. Um, I also Nate, like that in this season oh, Amaya and Sarah are co-war are like sort of co-knights and Kendra yes. and Sarah were sort of Kendra's the princess Sarah's the knight yes um, Amaya and Sarah are both a little like more rough like not that you know I love the princess archetype I love that and I'm hoping we might get a third female character next season but I'm not gonna fucking kid myself I'm not gonna hold my breath either but if if, if this team makeup same stays maybe an Asian character Guys, if this if this team makeup stays the way it is, I'll be happy just because I am so I don't like that. This is the kind of show where they tease the idea of the team being fractured and split up and like put on a bus or killed off. That stresses me out as a person. This isn't a goddamn X-Men comic. Like it really stresses me out because I don't like getting attached to characters who then leave. But that's neither here nor there. I think, unfortunately, as much as Amaya did get some good points, Nate definitely got more oh yeah and the meat of some, the of, some of Amaya's development and and good endings to her plot were also focused on Nate um which is also super frustrating but again Rachel and I remember going into this at the start of the season neither of us really liked Nate for like the first three episodes and part of that is not his fault because he came in and it was also because mon had just recently ar- arrived on Supergirl and I think we were both very much like oh god he's gonna be another mon fuck like we didn't want Thanks, another sweetie. Ab- I'm so sorry we said something like that what is like it wasn't something I consciously acknowledged but I think I was afraid that he was gonna be like another like white CW douchebag lead and so he was sweet. not he's, he's very baby. sweet and that's the good thing about Nate and how to introduce a new 
character, especially if they're a, like a white male character, because I think there are certain viewers who are like, oh God, another white boy. Like they made him very gentle and made him very he sweet. He was Ray and, Palmer, which is the only acceptable yes. kind of white guy. And his flaws are still endearing. Like it's not like with some male characters where we're supposed to accept him for all their flaws when their flaws are, he likes to kill people. Like, <laughs> Like, that's not a flaw. Like, Nate's big that's flaw. That's not a flaw, you guys. That's not. Like, that's not when, a... you're, when you're writing a character and you're listing their flaws and their and their strengths, <laughs> likes to kill people is kind of a separate category in and of itself. Yeah, that's that's a whole other ballgame. But, you know, I think there are some times, especially on the CW, where we're supposed to accept that, like, one of this character's tragic flaws is a love for murder. And that's really Me stressful. Me too, Me guys. <laughs> Hard same. But it is something where, like, Nate's biggest flaw Officer, is, you like... you don't understand. It's a character flaw. <laughs> Great! Literally. I'm oh my working God. on resolving this part of my narrative. Oh, fuck. Okay, I love the upcoming season of Arrow. Um, a whole lot. I think we're gonna see some really great, great, great like, conversations. Imagine, imagine if we hated <laughs> ourselves enough to actually... Well, I mean, I, no. I'm gonna have no. to probably... Because Katie's gonna be on it again. I don't know if I'm gonna have to watch... I don't like I don't no, know. Cause, no, because they it's not Laurel. It's just like it's other Laurel, and so they're just gonna. It's not worth getting into. I don't but know. no, I, I don't know. I, I got it. You do it for her. I'm not gonna you be do watching. It for her. Sorry. No, you I mean, can. I'm not gonna. I know. Like I, 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 just, I get what I deserve. No, it's fine. Like I'm just not gonna unless they also bring Nissa back in a meaningful way, but they won't. And my point is, um, like. The thing with Nate is he got some really good resolution and he managed to develop into a character that I can really enjoy and support and emote for. Like, you know, like the stuff with his dad was handled pretty nicely, mostly. There was a little bit at the end, but like it made me feel for him. It made me appreciate him. Um, You know, there's a lot about Nate that ended up being really likable because his biggest flaw is that he thinks he's like way more chill in a romantic relationship than he actually is. And that's cute. Like, that's a fun flaw. Like, he's not a bad person by any stretch of the mean. Like, he is such a good person and so gentle with Amaya. And, like, if you're going to introduce a white male character onto your show, that is the bare minimum. Like, he better be a very sweet boy. I'm going to pose a question to you. Because Leonard says to Mick, I know you loved her, and he was very close with Amaya. Do you think we're going to go for a love triangle next season? I feel like the age difference is too big for the CW. Nick and Dominic are actually pretty close in age. I I know, but like the established, like I, Nate is still very much played as a younger-ish character. Like he has this very oh, goofy I lied. personality. I lied. Also, okay, um, that too. Dominic is eight years older than Nick. Yeah, so there's that too. But I think I Who think is? Amaya having. I think Amaya having a precocious crush on Mick, like we discussed this last night, like Amaya definitely has a bit of a precocious kind of crush on him. Um, and I think he absolutely has feelings for her. Um, I think he is not going to make a move on them. I think we might imply that he has feelings for her, but he is not going to do anything to make an advance towards her. Um, I mean, I, I just, I don't think that's going to be an avenue they're going to want to explore beyond some like flirting and like weird stuff but I don't know I've been I, I've been wrong before I didn't think they were going to go as far as they did with Rip and Gideon and then they did so who knows but I do think Amaya next season is going to be less love triangle and more uh, should I stay with him if I'm also risking destabilizing time itself and my answer is yes 
fuck this time stream. Absolutely. He loves you so much. And you oh, love him. Oh, and, and that was an opinion from Ray Palmer. Definitely not speaking like he's speaking to someone else. <laughs> no, um, you have to stay with him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but it is something where... Um, uh, next season, if you make Adam Wave canon, I will apologize I, for 90% of what I've said tonight. Like 90% of it. Not as long as they don't do it in a way where they're like, Len was so bad for Mick and he was yeah, terrible. Yeah. And then, then I then, apologize. Then, I, then I actually unapologize for all of it. And there's more stuff. And, and I, and I say more mean things. <laughs> I hypothetically apologize for something that may or may not happen retroactively. Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but it is totally like, I don't know. I, I, I have no clue. Cause they don't know where they're going. So I don't know where they're going. Cause they just admitted they have, no fucking clue okay. where they're going. Um, should we do ideas mess. for potential episodes, or should we do that for the retrospective? Uh, the gang goes to Anthrocon. Um, okay. still very fond of that. <laughs> I, I, I still maintain. Should we just read our possible Legends of Tomorrow season three antagonist list? Yes, let's do that. Uh, okay. Leave a link, and we'll just let the hold on. It, should I say how much I love? Nate and Amaya's age difference and how much I love Mick and Amaya's age difference or is that gonna is that gonna make me uh I feel like I feel like I feel like maybe not because I um, love it and the more you were like well maybe Mick's a little too old for her I was like mm, that's good in my opinion also I don't have an issue with it but I know the CW doesn't like the CW it's not if it was on HBO can you imagine Legends on HBO oh that'd be hysterical if it was um, all I can think of is like Poor Sierra, because you know how she felt about sex scenes to begin with. Oh God! Oh God! Because like, yeah, no, if Legends was on HBO, it would just be not like like they would be just fucking in the background like every episode. But it would be like Game of Thrones, where they just have their their shirts off all the time. Um, but like, in all seriousness, if this was a more like, if because I know that this is a teen-oriented network and like that they like to do. Kisses. I know. Very like, fond of the following. Point number appropriate one. Relationships. This is not the kind of network that I think is going to try to pull a hardcore love triangle but with so much significant age difference going on because they are still kind of angling for a young adult market. So I don't think it's really relatable to them. And I, mean, I they obviously just, don't know my squad. Yeah. And also I posted the. Uh, I just sent it to you too. Uh, well, I'm glad we're the worst people in the world. Okay. Do you want uh, to read your part of the list and I'll read mine? Yes. Okay. So we don't really have any idea of what episodes the season is going to do, but we do have a list of possible antagonists. And I put a lot of thought into mine. I'm very proud of them. Yeah. And our possible antagonists for season three, number one, the concept of time itself. I think this is very self-explanatory. Number two, the three T-Rexes currently attacking Los Angeles because we cannot afford any more in the budget. Number three, Poochie, the kung fu rapping hippie from the gangsta city. Number four, dark and edgy, Crypto the Superdog reboot. Let me just say, Number Ari right there, just say of all the responses we've gotten to this post, and it's been a lot, people love the dark and edgy Crypto the Superdog reboot. Like, they love yes. that. I'm very proud of that. I also love Crypto the Superdog, so thank God. Uh, number five, Guy Gardner. Number six, the team themselves. Makes number sense. seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, not that far-fetched. Number seven, bees. Number eight, Ganondorf. Number nine, Griffin McElroy. Number ten, Xehanort. 
Number 11, me with a megaphone outside Phil Clemmer's office. Also very likely at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm also number, there. I'm in Number 12. Number 12, Cisco Ramon, who is tired of waking up in a new timeline every fucking morning and just wants some peace and quiet. Number 13, Gumby. Number 14, The Smooze. Number 15, Team Rocket. And number 16, Sasuke Uchiha. Now, I want to say from Ari's list, I'm going to read my list in a second, but I want to say from Ari's list, I think the most likely is Sasuke Uchiha. I, I, yeah. Oh, that I, is Gai definitely Garner, the most likely. Guy Gardner right. also, but only if he has the gun hands. Yeah, we don't want to see non-gun hands Guy Gardner. No, Nobody, keep that shit out of my Guy face. Guy Gardner doesn't want to see no gun hands Guy Gardner. <laughs> Show some goddamn respect. Okay, here's my list. Number one, budgetary restrictions. Number two, Brandon Routh's huge dick becomes sentient and is also evil. Number three, a strongly worded tweet from Gail Simone. Number four, a very determined Girl Scout troop. It's been suggested to me that the Girl Scout troop is after them because they stole a bunch of cookies without paying. And as far yeah. as season three plots go, that's pretty plausible. That actually is pretty plausible. Number five, hubris. Number six, Rock, Garth, and Irma finally showing up and being like, no, God, no. And for those of you who don't know, those are the civilian names of Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, and Saturn Girl, who make up the Legion of Superheroes, who are technically the ones who are supposed to be protecting the timeline in DC Oops. Comics. So I would like to see them. And maybe, and maybe one of them just, like, maybe Cosmic Boy just grabs Sarah by the shoulders and is like, what are you doing? <laughs> you have to stop. Oh God! They were the Am two I on Number seven, number seven, Alan Moore. Just He's like a as a concept, think about yeah. it. Number you eight, can't be on the Simpsons. A cohesive narrative structure. Number nine, one of their future children who's come back in time, which again is pretty plausible, unfortunately. Yeah. Honestly. Number ten, regret. And number 11, leader of the hit K-pop boy band BTS, Kim <laughs> Namjoon. Thank you. I I think it's down to, from your list, a strongly worded tweet from Gail Simone. Yes. Or a very determined Girl Scout troop, because it has been proposed that Girl Scout troops um, are actually the people who keep Bigfoot secret. Um, so if the gang accidentally kills Bigfoot or otherwise interferes with Bigfoot... Oh my god, Bigfoot, they would! The Girl Scout troop is going to have to come after the team. I hope the team does not kill Bigfoot. I am a very big Bigfoot fan. No Bigfoot, if you're out they, there, we'd love for you to come on the show. I know. By all means, guest star. But um, I absolutely could buy a Girl Scout troop pursuing the team. That would be hilarious. Uh, like, not even a Girl Scout troop with, like, laser weapons or anything. Just, just a regular Girl, Girl Scout, Scout troop. troop. And I'm just, talking, just, like, 12-year-olds. Yeah. Like, just, just a bunch of kids. Just, you know. That's about that's about where I can trust this team to handle. I think ultimately, um, this is a very indicative of what we expect the team to handle, which is nothing, at least very well. Uh, you know, I I think this is a team that thrives on being a bunch of fuck ups, and when the show recognizes that and plays with that, and still makes them sympathetic and endearing, and try very hard to do their best, that's when the show is at its best. Yeah. So I would like to see more of that in season three. So would I, and I think this has been a lovely finale podcast. Look for the retrospective coming soon. We will try to record that in the next couple of days and have it out 
closer to this episode, unlike when we would have to do weekly podcasts and there would be an episode a week. And then we'll probably go into our summer series a week after the retrospective. So it's going to be really exciting. Thank you all for listening. And I really we'll appreciate it. See you in the retrospective. All right. Bye, Bye guys.